Hello, and welcome to Stonebridge Community Church. I am Pastor John, the senior pastor of Stonebridge Community Church. And we are continuing our sermon series entitled Moses Legacy. And I want to prepare you that we are taking a bit of a turn now. We're moving away from the exciting, fun stories and moving into what is known as biblical law. Today, we're looking at Moses going to Mount Sinai. So be prepared for that. But trust me, this is a journey that you'll want to go on with us. The next few weeks, actually, we'll be looking at biblical law. So I invite you to join us in that, um, not just this week, but in the weeks to come. We are glad and we are grateful that you are tuning in with us through the online service, whether that's through YouTube or through our podcast. We are grateful that you're connected with us. But I want to remind you, church is meant to be done in person, in community. You may not feel ready because of COVID-19, and that is okay, and we understand that. But please know that your safety is our priority. And for our in-person services, we do what we can to make those as safe as possible. On Saturdays at 5.30, we have an outdoor service. On Sundays at 10.30, we have an indoor service where masks right now are required regardless of vaccination status because your safety is our priority. So if you are ready, and if you are in town, please come and join us in person. We'd love to see you. We'd love to connect with you. Church is meant to be done with actual human beings connected to one another. So I invite you to those in-person services. The way that the online service will work is you will hear some announcements. Then you will hear the Word of God preached. And then there will be two songs um, to help you guide you in your worship. So thank you for tuning in with us. Thank you for connecting with us. May this time of worship be a blessing to you. And welcome to worship. Welcome to Stonebridge. For the next several weeks of the Moses Legacy Sermon Series, Pastor John is taking a deeper dive into the sermon by discussing topics and questions that didn't make his final cut. Stonebridge Extras is designed to help deepen your personal understanding of the Bible and enrich your growth group's discussion. Published Saturday nights at 5.30, Stonebridge Extras can be found every weekend within the Stonebridge Church podcast. There are a couple of Save the Date events coming up later this month. The first one is our Halloween party that will be on Saturday, October 30th, following the 5.30 worship service. Join us for hot dogs, churros, and candy, of course. The second event is our membership discernment class. Over the course of three Sundays, starting October 31st, Pastor John will guide you through what it means to be a Presbyterian and introduce you to membership at Stonebridge. More information and signups for both events will be available next week. We would love to know that you're participating in worship. Continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgecme.com. Or if you are following along in the Bible app, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. Once again, welcome to worship. As we continue our sermon series entitled Moses Legacy, we come to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is a spot where Moses has this interaction with God, this conversation with God that really will dominate the rest of Moses' story. And it dominates, really, the rest of Moses' legacy. So, we go to the beginning of this conversation now. 
here in Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 through 6, where Moses is talking to God on Mount Sinai. I invite you to hear the word of God as I read the scriptures. On the third new moon, after the Israelites had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day, they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They had journeyed from Rephidim, entered the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And I invite you to join with me in prayer. Let us lift our desires and wants up to God. Please pray with me. Lord, speak to us clearly through your scriptures now. Through this conversation between you and Moses all those years ago that took place on Mount Sinai, speak to us. Help us understand what this means for our lives. Help us understand what this means for our world today. And help us understand how we can be your followers and how we can be your people. And more than anything, Lord, help us understand just how deeply you wish to be in relationship with us. We thank you and we ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, when you look at Moses' story and really Moses' legacy in popular culture, in media, in movies, in music, oftentimes you're going to get the stories that we've already gone over for the most part. Movies tend to focus on the burning bush, the plagues in Egypt, the crossing of the Red Sea, the bread from heaven. That tends to be Moses' legacy in popular culture. But here in the Bible, Moses' legacy, it really just begins here at Exodus 19. All of those other stories that popular culture tends to focus on, those are really just introduction to what Moses is going to do here at Mount Sinai. All of that just builds up to this. And from here on out, Moses' legacy, it really is what takes place here at Sinai. Because at Mount Sinai, Exodus 19, what begins here is what is known as the law. The law is this portion of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And this section of the law, where it's first given to Moses, this begins here at Exodus 19, and this will go all the way through the book of Leviticus into the beginning of the book of Numbers. This is the bulk of Moses' story. It's like we go through all these other stories, and then all of a sudden, everything stops. And the story slows down, and instead of going over years, going over weeks, months, days, this one conversation with God begins to take over and becomes highlighted. And in this conversation, the law is given to Moses. Now, 
when I say law, and I've said this in the past, I assume that what comes up for most people are negative feelings. Either you think the law is completely boring, which is probably the majority position for most people, or you think the law is something that is negative, something that constricts us. For many of us Christians, Protestant Christians especially, for hundreds of years we've been taught that the law is something negative, that really the purpose of the law was just to show us our sin. And we get taught this idea about the law, that basically the the law becomes summarized by the basic idea of if you violate the law, then you've sinned, and if that sin isn't atoned for, you will experience eternal punishment. So the law gets tied up with these ideas about sin. And it's almost like the law is something that makes us just aware of our sin, and that's its only function. And that the law doesn't have any other purpose beyond that. Now, I do think that that is a purpose of the law. It does highlight the ways in which we fall short, the ways in which we are unable to live up to God, the ways in which we are different than God. The law does highlight that. But there is so much more to the law than just that. The law is not actually summarized by the idea, if you violate God's law, then you have sinned, and if your sin isn't atoned for it, then you will experience eternal punishment. In fact, that, I think, isn't even the main purpose of the law. It might not even be a secondary purpose of the law. It's a side product of of the law. And that idea doesn't actually make sense when you really read the law and when you really look at how it's embraced in the rest of Scripture. I mean, for one example of this, when you go to the Gospel of Matthew, which in the spring we will be studying the Gospel of Matthew, but when you look at the Gospel of Matthew, this story about Jesus' life, Jesus presents himself in the Gospel of Matthew as a teacher of the law. Jesus says that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Jesus saw his mission as explaining God's law. When you realize that, you realize the law in Jesus' mind was about so much more than just pointing out our sin. And this idea that the law is just here to show us what sins we have so that we can atone for them, so we avoid eternal punishment, it doesn't really make sense for a number of reasons. I mean, first off, it doesn't make sense because sin existed in the world before Moses received the law. Just read the Bible closely. Look at the Bible here. The fall takes place in Genesis chapter 3. That's when sin enters into the world. That's when the separation from God begins. And then we have generations and generations, hundreds of years, according to the Bible, until Moses receives the law at Sinai. The law is not what made us aware of sin. Human beings were aware of sin before the law. The separation from God took place before the law was given there. So the idea that the law, that all it does is make us aware of our sin, 
that's not really biblical. That's not really accurate biblically. Now, the law can make us aware of the ways in which we fall short, but human beings knew about sin before the law. They knew about separation. And what I think is so important when understanding the law is, the law is God's response to sin. The law is one of the many ways in which God was working to address sin, to overcome sin. For Israel, the law was not about just pointing out their sin, but it was about overcoming their sins so that they could have right relationship with God and that they could live with God. So that's one of the first things that we have to keep in mind. The other thing is this idea that if we don't atone for our sin, then we'll experience eternal punishment. That's not something that the law is focused on at all. The idea of eternal punishment doesn't even come up in the legal text. In fact, throughout the Old Testament, it's very difficult to find any sort of talk about eternal punishment. The Old Testament has this word called shale, and shale is an afterlife type of place. But it's different than what our idea of hell would be, or our idea of eternal punishment. It's more gray, it's more vague. It's not the best place to go, but it's not the idea of eternal punishment that we have. It was much, much later after the law was given that it became to be tied to the idea of eternal punishment. But I think it's important for us to realize that when the law was given to Israel, it wasn't viewed as something that was just going to condemn them so they would have eternal punishment if they didn't follow it perfectly. The law was given as a source of life, as a source of connection, as a way for Israel to be in right relationship with God and right relationship with others. It itself, the law, isn't too concerned with the idea of eternal punishment. All this to say, I think we all have a number of misconceptions about what the law is in the Bible. The law, it becomes, when you really look at it correctly in Scripture, a symbol of something beautiful. It becomes a symbol of more than just our sin and a symbol more than just eternal punishment. But the law, as it's given, becomes a symbol of God's character and God's desires. Because we have to understand that that term law, when we use it over and over again, that's an English word that I'm using. That was a translation choice. The Hebrew word doesn't mean exactly law in the way we think it does. It has a broader range of meaning. There are aspects in which the Hebrew word that's used there, which is Torah, which I'll just pronounce it as Torah, which is usually how you do it in English. That word... It can mean law, but it also can mean instruction. And oftentimes, the biblical law gets translated more as instruction than as law. In fact, there are some sections of the law where there's no enforcement mechanism. In order for there to be a law, you have to have some sort of enforcement mechanism to make sure the law is followed, but there's no enforcement mechanism for sections of the law in Exodus. Meaning, it really is more instruction. 
there are points in which it is more instruction. This law that we're talking about, law isn't the perfect translation of this concept. This is law, it's instruction, and it's a source of life. It's a glimpse of what life is supposed to look like. It's a glimpse of God's character being lived out in a people. So, like I said, I think the law can become something a little more beautiful for us. Not something that we're terrified of. Not something that we ignore or think is just boring also. Because at its core, what the law symbolizes is God's deep desire to be in relationship with humans. That's what the law is doing. That's what these legal texts in the Bible are doing. First and foremost, what the law is about is humans living with God. The law is meant to solve the problem of a sinful people who have chosen against God, a sinful world that has chosen against God, bringing them into relationship with a perfect God, with the God that is utter perfection. The law is the messy way in which God chose to do that with the people of Israel. Because God wanted to be in relationship with all of humanity, God wanted to restore humanity, to recreate this world, to resurrect it, God chose a people. And for the people of ancient Israel to be God's people, they had to follow the law so that they could live in the presence of God, experience God, to let the rest of the world know who God was. And when you realize that, realize the purpose behind the law, you realize the lengths to which God was willing to go to be in relationship with us. Now, I've said numerous times that the law can seem boring. It can seem like something you just want to skip through. But I invite you to, to go and to flip through the book of Leviticus, to, to look at Leviticus to read one of those random sections, to look at all of the details, to look at all of the specificity in that book and realize that all of that is the detail to which God was willing to go, the lengths to which God was willing to go so that Israel could have a law, so that God could live amongst them, so they could know who God was and so that the conditions for Jesus being born, which is what we believe as Christians, could take place. So that this world could be restored and we could live with God again in perfect harmony and unity. All of those details that we skip over. That's what God had to do to make this happen. That's what Israel had to do to make this happen. Now, I may be weird, but sometimes when I feel distant from God... I'm actually going to amend that. I am weird, people. I am weird. That's okay. Sometimes what I do when I feel distant from God is I flip to Leviticus and I read all that God wanted to do with Israel. I read all the details there. I read all of that. And it reminds me of just how much God was willing to do to create relationship with us as human beings. The law doesn't have to be a symbol of our separation from God or separation from sin. 
the law, when it's viewed appropriately, is this more a symbol of all that God was willing to do to live amongst us, to be connected with us. See, I think the thing that we really lose out on in the law is when we say just the law and we just keep saying the law, and I'm saying it right now because there's no better term that I know of, but what I think we really lose out on is what Exodus 19 shows us. When God begins this conversation with Moses, when they begin talking about the law, God says, keep my covenant. That if Israel keeps my covenant, then they will be a holy people amongst all the nations set apart for God. The law takes place in the context of covenant. And the law really is the workings of the covenant. It is the details of the covenant. In order for God to do this act of restoration, this act of resurrection, to to lift Israel up and then to save the world through Israel, Israel has to uphold their end of things as well. A covenant is more than just a promise. It's a deep binding agreement between two parties. And the law is the expression of the covenant. And the covenant is the type of relationship that God enters into with us. One of my hopes is that for all of us at Stonebridge, connected to Stonebridge, we we don't look over any part of the Bible and ignore it. That we recognize that God is there throughout Scripture. And over these next few weeks, we're actually going to be looking at Leviticus and Deuteronomy. We're going to be looking at the law. And as we do so, I hope we all get a deeper understanding and a deeper sense of just how much God wants to be in relationship with us. How much God wants to be in relationship with you. And I think we'll get a deeper sense also of what this means for us as a community. Because what the law teaches us, one of the things that it teaches us, is that while God does care about you, God cares about your feelings, God cares about your sense of fulfillment in life. I think those are things that God does care about. God also cares about the feelings of the person next to you. God also cares about the fulfillment of the person next to you. God also cares about the human being next to you. And God cares as well about the other people in your community that you don't really like. And when God gave the law to Israel, it wasn't about just one person's relationship with God. It was about the whole community's relationship together with one another and their relationship with God. The law is about relationships. It's about God's relationship with us, our relationship with each other, how we treat one another, the values that we should have behind how we treat one another. And it's all there so we can recognize God in our midst So we can see God's values. And so we can see God's character. So when you hear about the law, when you think about this section of the Bible, may you not see your own separation from God. But may you see God's deep desire to be in relationship with you. May you be reminded of how much God loves you, how much God cares for you, the lengths to which God is willing to go to be in relationship with you. May you not just see that in the scriptures, but may you understand that and feel that throughout your life 
as you go through your days. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
one like you there is none beside you open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those as you go from here, may you go seeing God's deep desire, deep passion to be in relationship with you. May you go understanding that all that God has done, including the law, was done so that we could know who God is and that we can live with God. And may you go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and love of the Father. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go in peace, friends. Amen.